That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Wow, Aaron, Mockingbird was so much fun. It was the best. The food was so still tasty. still basking in its glow. The yeah. people were great. Actually, we're recording this before the conference. <laughs> My favorite see. part was the pizza party. <laughs> <laughs> the bowling was awesome. Uh, yeah, so we're recording a week before the conference, but this will come out like three weeks after the conference. So anyways, uh, and if you're listening to this, it means you will have already heard the two episodes that we recorded live in person at the Mockingbird Conference. But now we're, now we're back home. We're, we're home mm-hmm. now, and we will be home when you're listening to this in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake, you have new glasses. You're wearing a collar. You look clean. You're, have you turned over a new leaf? What do you mean I look clean? Some days. I look fresh and clean. What are you talking about? I don't know. I've got a pose, baby. I got a pose. (laughs) So it's different than your pose, but it's, it's a pose. That's what my son says. He's like, this is is my pose. This is my drip. So Hmm. I, I got a drip. And so. The word drip is definitely in the vernacular in Waco, Texas, but I've not heard pose, but I've, that's yeah. probably because I'm not hanging out with the right people. I'll yeah, ask my teams, my pose. the teams yeah. who live in my, in my home. Uh, mm-hmm. Does Henry ever wear uh, um, clothing that are not like sweats? Uh, no, it's predominantly some form of sweat, uh, yeah. you know, clothes. Yeah. The knit, <laughs> the hoodie. Uh, yeah. When I, Occasionally, I will move clothes from the washer to the dryer that were started by a teenager in my house. And uh, when I do so, it is so heavy. These are like, man, hoodies, the sweatshirts, the sweatpants, waterlogged. It's like probably like 50 pounds of water that I have to move from the washer. And this is after the aggressive spin cycle. Anyways, Mm. yes, we are two dads in our 40s raising teens. That's the new name mm. for this podcast. That's right. Viewership, <laughs> listenership teams. will go through the roof. Dave, we've decided <laughs> to change our programming and format. Mm-hmm. Two dads let's talk teams. about Let's talk about kids using fresh towels after every shower. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I swear. And if you have little kids right now and you're listening, beware. I... The, the 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 toughest is yet to come. Mm. <laughs> anyway, so but um, I that is my big thing right now, and I'm trying to like every morning have to keep my cool. But uh, my my children seem to think that uh, they need a fresh towel for absolutely everything, <laughs> like washing their hands. So I started telling them that Saint Greta is very angry with them. And so, was, what but, was she? Uh, the, was she the patron saint of laundry? She's the patron saint of the ecosystem. Oh, She's yeah. uh, like, you know, the 18-year-old girl from Sweden oh, that uh, has received yes. an honorary okay. doctorate from Helsinki. I thought you meant so, but, uh, um, canonized person. No, but I always threaten them then tell them that Greta's watching. And uh, that seems to get a bit of a laugh and a realization that 
oh, I don't need a fresh towel just to, uh, you know, wipe my lips. Do you have, <laughs> is your linen closet in the bathroom or are they like stopping by the linen closet? Because that requires no, forethought and planning that not all teens show. No, but I do have uh, the two bathrooms and uh, there's the linen closet in between. Mm, so. Interesting. Well, so, you know, wherever, whichever, whichever one they're using, uh, they grab a towel. Well, like, Jake's children, knowing that you are regular listeners to your dad's cool podcast, anyway. same old song. Yeah. You've heard it <laughs> they here. They will never hear this. They will never hear this. Confessions. <laughs> Confessions so. of a dad of teens. All right. Well, let's get on to what our listeners are here for. Yeah, they, we're just keeping it the same old song. still listening. I hope they use that yeah. like fast forward 15 seconds button to like just skip it's this. Like, get to the cords. I got to write a sermon. Dribble. So. All right. It's the seventh so Sunday we, of Easter, which means mm-hmm. we've already passed Ascension Day, which just took yeah, place Yeah, we leaped last over Thursday. Ascension. Yep. So you're, you're hopefully, 40 days. Hopefully you have a service for Ascension. Uh, but there is mm-hmm. going to be a reading that is Ascension. So if you want to talk about that, you can. The, the lectionary is mm-hmm. throwing you a bone here. Well, really um, quick, what would you say about ascension? What do you think is a, a key thing about, about ascension? Yeah, but I think, so it means that Jesus, um, it means a lot of things. One, it means that an actual human being is in heaven. So this is, mm. seems what the New Testament really wants to show. Jesus leaves bodily. I mean, he is raised bodily and he's walked around on earth. And we sort of, that sort of, we can get that inside of our brains because we see lots of human beings on earth walking around all the time. So... Uh, it's a little bit kooky that he's a resurrected one, but he's still a human body breathing air and uh, with blood running through his veins. And then he ascends bodily into heaven, which means that redeemed, restored humanity is what we are looking forward to. We're not going to be in the sort of Superman Crystal Palace, like spiritual world, like we're going to be in a real flesh and blood, Mm. rocks and trees new heaven and new earth and so and even it's just i think a beautiful statement too of like we tend to do that um kind of gnostic dualism of like heaven is good and earth is bad and spirit is good and flesh is bad um and anything fleshly is sort of dirty and but no this is saying that uh there is not that dualistic kind of world there's one god one lord one flesh like we're all um uh, going to be restored and, and humanity is in heaven, real flesh and blood mm. is in heaven. Um, so I think yeah. that's one of the things that we can say about that. So th- I think that yeah. that changes the, maybe the perspective we have of our daily life, that this is not yeah. just like slaving away down here in the trenches. Um, but there's, but God is, God is present here and humanity is present there. So that's one thing I would say. What about you? Yeah. I would say, like, you know, I mean, I think the Ascension is such a powerful, powerful day, and uh, it might be behoove you to move the readings to this particular day. You can transfer them. But, uh, um, you know, Ascension is, I mean, it is really if what, uh, you know, Jesus says, everything written about me in the law and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And so that means everything in the... Um, uh, in the Old Testament is a type and a shadow of what Jesus literally fulfills. And so I think one of the beautiful and powerful things about the Ascension Day is how it connects to this story, uh, to the Pentateuch. And you have now uh, 
the new Joshua, the new Yeshua, who is now uh, led his people and will lead his people into the promised land of everlasting light, but, uh, everlasting life by way of a cloud, just like they were led through the wilderness. Now he leads us through our wilderness journey, um, uh, through the waters of baptism, parting and parting through the waters of baptism. He parts death to bring us into this new land, and uh, where we will come to realize and. Uh, now by faith, but soon by reality, that uh, indeed the name of Jesus is above all names. It's even, um, it is the name uh, on par with Yeshua now. And uh, and so that um, our faith is uh, not just simply uh, kind of, you know, rooted in a moment, but now the story of the Hebrew people is also our story. Mm. And uh, we are following our Lord through um uh, through death into everlasting life. And that's one of the great things I think about Ascension. Mm. All right. Well, and we'll talk, we can talk a little bit more about this because the Ascension is yeah. our first reading. So we it comes begin. in, yeah, it comes in the seventh Sunday. Yeah. We, so this is the Sunday, bef- next Sunday is Pentecost. So this is like the last, um, you know, if you think about the progress bar that shows the new operating system that's loading, like it's about 90% there, there's a little bit left. And then next Sunday, it'll get to 100%. Like we get the full Trinitarian understanding because we have the coming of the Holy Spirit and Pentecost. Um, But now we have the disciples, the apostles gathering with the Lord in Acts chapter one. So, and they are on this mountain. And in this reading, we get the ascension as they were watching. Jesus is lifted up, um, it says, and a cloud took him out of their sight in verse nine. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then two angels appear, two men in white robes, angels appear, and they say, why are you looking up in heaven? Jesus has been taken up, and now it's time to focus on what's here in front of us. Um, And so I think there's a couple of things that are really wonderful about this passage to me, again, poking a hole in the idea that those um, kind of uh, facile atheists who look at the scriptures sometimes and say this was sort of cooked up, and <laughs> I'm like, well, if anybody was making this up, they wouldn't make themselves look so bad, because again, the disciples look <laughs> terrible in verse 6 when they say... Yeah, they ask the guard, so now are you going to really, you're going to kick A? Yeah, now is you're going to do... Time? I mean, I know you rose from the dead, which is great, and everything, and so now, okay, now we get it, now... Because all the time, the disciples thought Jesus was here to be an earthly king, that he was going to get Pontius Pilate out of there, that he was going to be the king of Israel. And ultimately, they'd kick, you know, kick all the Romans out, and maybe he would be the the new, um, you know, Jewish Caesar and and restore Israel to its rightful place at the the top of the heap. And really, they are just thinking about earthly power. And and they still Mm -hmm. think that even after the crucifixion, even after the resurrection, even after all these things, um, they they. Now they say, okay, now, Lord, now you're going to do it. Now is the time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel. They still don't get it. And uh, and he says, actually, no, you're going to wait here. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So it's a different kind of kingdom. It's a different kind of project. Um, and I think you could say something about how we human beings tend to want God to fix our problems and make the earth and the world around us look the way we want it. And often we want to use human political power structures to do it. When they say, Lord, is this the time you restore the kingdom of Israel? They mean, are you going to now have like, a? are you going to be a king on a throne 
with a crown? Are you going to be a president in a political government building in the presidential palace um, and uh, and get rid of all the people who are political enemies so that we can now have the country that we finally want? Um, they have a very limited vision of just our country. Um, and they've forgotten that God is the God of all humanity. God does not have a nationality. God does not have a country. And Jesus makes this clear that he says, basically, your mission is to go to the ends of the earth because all people are made by God in God's image and, and need to hear this message. So, um, and we have tend, we tend to think we, we have a very small view of God. We want God to make our house the best house on the block. And Jesus here is saying, no, that's not the point. You, um, you have a mission. Uh, God's mission is not to make our lives perfect. Our mission is to follow what God says, which is to take this message of grace and forgiveness to the ends of the earth. And, uh, and thankfully, Jesus is gracious to them. He doesn't zap them for still not getting it even after the resurrection. I think there's also something here about just yeah. the fact that Christians, um, even post-resurrection, we are, not, we are still so far from perfect. Um, and the disciples are, are clearly exhibit A in this. Um, and he says you need the Holy Spirit. So that's that's the, well, the hope that we have. Yeah, and we need, you need the Holy Spirit to be what? to Well, to come upon you. So that's, yeah, absolutely. It's, you're not going to wait just a few more days. Uh, go back. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And, um, and uh, you will be my witnesses. And this is the structure, ultimately, of the book of Acts. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. And Absolutely. the book of Acts ends with Paul in Rome. But uh, um, I love they're, like, lifting up, and they need something to shake themselves out of yeah. themselves. You know what I mean? They need still, uh, they still need preachers. And so, hey, what are you doing? You know, uh, look, get out of here. And so, but this is the point. They're going to be his witnesses. And what are they going to witness to? They're not going to witness to, uh, you know, they're, they're going to, I'm not going to say what they're not going to witness to. I'm going to say what they are going to witness to. And what they're going to witness to is the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ and the giving of the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of sins. This is their central message. And uh, this message has gone forth to the very ends of the earth. And by virtue of you and your ministry as a preacher, it's come now to you and is still going to the very ends of the earth, like uh, Bedford, New York, uh, Waco, Texas, um, you know, um, uh, uh, Buen Pastor, Haitian Church. You know, it's still going out to the very ends of the earth through your ministry as you proclaim this very thing. And, uh, and this is the exciting thing, I think, on one level of this passage, is that it's still for us today. Yeah. Uh, I think, well, uh, well the, the other thing to say here is just also this, um, it's a beautiful thing about Jesus Christ mm. and the, the triune Godhead is that he leaves. Uh, he, he's not... Um, sort of this uh, micromanaging, anxious leader, uh, like some clergy in the Episcopal Church uh, who need to be in control of everything and um, are afraid to delegate. And I'm not throwing shade at you or me, Jake. I'm, I'm just thinking about um, people in every industry, really, who um, who need to just kind of control everything. And Jesus here leaves. 
and he's happy to mm. put things in the hands of other people, um, namely mm. disciples who have actually not proven themselves to be that great or that capable. Um, but he's he's so I am an exception. He's no. so yeah, he's so non anxious <laughs> that he's like, I'm I'm gonna go. You guys got this. Um yeah. And I think that's an amazingly beautiful, <laughs> empowering thing that Jesus it's does. He, he gives the leadership to human beings who, yeah, mm. as we've said, are not, not always the best. But, but he, he leaves and he gives power to them. And this is a, a, just a beautiful thing about, about God. I think about um, when you decide to bake a cake with your toddler and you sort of – you know it's going to be super messy uh, and you kind of realize maybe the point is not to have the perfect cake uh, and have your kitchen counters clean and not have any flour on the floor. You you want to do something with your toddler and share that experience. And so mm-hmm. you're willing to, to kind of let them get messy and get involved. And I, I think Jesus, he lets us help bake the cake here. Um, he leaves and gives some power to us uh, and also graciously will send the Holy Spirit. So anyways, that's something uh, – that I think uh, I really like about this, um, that Jesus doesn't stay on earth to kind of make sure everybody's uh, doing it right, but he goes to heaven, and now he can be really for everybody in all times and all places. All right, so moving on to First Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 14, and then skipping ahead to chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. So this uh, little chunk of, of this letter of Peter Dealing with uh, fiery ordeals, suffering in the life of the Christian, uh, mm-hmm. and the fact that suffering does still happen for Christians, and he has some advice, yeah. which is to just try harder, and maybe clearly the problem is you, and you don't have enough faith, and that's why you're suffering. Yeah. And if you did have enough that's faith, right. and if you went to church more, you wouldn't have all this problem, right? That's how I feel. Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly what I preach. <laughs> now, I think, uh, you know, I th- this is a very actually powerful down-to-earth passage. And if you're really going to preach where people are at, um, and, um, you know, because I think the seventh Sunday of Easter and Pentecost can get a little hyper-spiritual, if you want to preach down-to-earth, um, uh, Peter is where it's at. I just kind of when I think about this church, I remember um, there was like, one of my favorite restaurants in New York City when we were coming out of the pandemic. And... Um, they had like a reduced menu Shake Shack. and all of this. And they, yeah, they just opened up. No, it wasn't Shake Shack, but uh, it was uh, uh, Joe Jr. And um, anyway, I remember walking in. It's right by St. George's. And if you, uh, well, the next time you come to the Mockingbird Conference or you're in New York City, uh, just pop in and get a waffle there. It's incredible. Or a breakfast. It's just that little awesome diner place. on the corner, right? Yeah, right yeah, on the corner, 16th awesome. and 3rd. Yeah. So, but I remember uh, when they first opened up and I went in. And, uh, you know, I was getting my regular bacon, egg and cheese along with some fries and, uh, you know, uh, you know, breakfast of champions and Olympians. Uh, Mm -hmm. I remember the guy said to me, he was like, you know, pray for us, Reverend, because I don't think we're going to make it. Mm. And uh, they were under a lot of pressure. And, uh, you know, the, the Lakers got the PPP loan. They didn't and all of these things. And so they were really suffering. And, uh, and I think that, uh, you know, St. Peter's epistle is for people, this particular passage is for people who feel like, I don't think I'm going to make it. Mm. You're under a lot of pressure. And this is what was going on with the church that Peter was preaching to here. They had been, they're living in the same period we were, you know, but they all thought that the return of Jesus would have been like, hey, pretty soon. But what's happening is people are starting to die. The time is extending and extending. And they're like, I don't know. Rome is starting to crack down on them. And like, they don't think they're going to make it. 
And I think one of the things that can come out of like this particular passage is, you know, well, one, don't be surprised if Christianity isn't a band-aid for all of your problems. Don't be surprised by suffering and anxiety and uh, that feeling that like the water is rising. In a matter, in one way, I mean, Peter is telling them rejoice in it. Mm. Um, uh, and I think on one level, it's because uh, while suffering catches us off guard, uh, it's not catching God off guard. And uh, that God is in control of it all. I heard a lady yesterday, I was buying cornbread mix because we're having a chili party tonight at the church. And uh, I remember she, I just, just, I didn't know what she was saying. She was a cashier talking to another cashier and she was like, God's in control. I just got to give it to the Lord. And I said, amen. And she looked at me and she like gave me this look like, thank you. But also why the hell are you eavesdropping? Were you wearing a and, collar? Uh, anyway, but no, but I just was like, amen. But um, the truth is, is that God has got a plan. And, uh, you know, he not only just maintains the mountaintop experiences, he maintains and helps us grow in the valley of the shadow of death. So while you may not sure you can make it, mm. yes, you will, because your current issues are not meaningless. Your situation is not the act of a capricious God who's aloof or forgotten you, or, you know, is often a celestial Acapulco. No, you will make it because God is at work in this moment and he's carrying you through and he has a plan and as we said earlier in the book of acts it may not look like the way you hoped uh, but he's using this situation to grow and stretch you and draw you closer uh, in ever more dependence on him i don't want to be stretched i don't either but that's you know uh, he's the god who kills and raises the dead amen well i think uh one thing that you know, if there's a memory verse here, it, obviously it's First uh, Peter five seven. Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. And this, mm. to me, is just a beautiful description of the Christian life of kind of coming around again and again to the Lord, um, casting anxiety on Him, remembering who He is. I think so much of our um, problem as Christians, or at least I'll speak for myself, like I, I just sort of, God has gotten me through so many scrapes before. He's been faithful, but like maybe this will be the time that He doesn't. Um, Anne Lamott, you know, talks about, we go through the Christian life waiting for the other shoe to drop, but she says, God doesn't have another shoe. Like it's all, it's all done. Uh, he didn't bring you this far to drop you on your head now is another, uh, thing she says. Uh, and so there's this beautiful thing, like, remember who cares for you and, and give your anxiety yes. to him. And that's something I have to do. I mean, daily, like just, Oh, I'm anxious. Oh, this is my fear. Oh, this is what I'm dreading. Okay, let me remember mm -hmm. that God is in control. And also, there's the helpful thing here. Peter reminds us that there is a devil. There is a roaring yes. lion. There is an adversary. Um, and be aware of that and know that that, I mean, as you and I have always experienced around Advent and Christmas and then Easter, I mean, there's always stuff that goes wrong. Um, there's all, and, and there are obviously much bigger things that the devil does to try to uh, mess up the proclamation of the gospel and this message that God is love and loves the whole world and uh, the devil would like people this, the spiritual forces of evil that we reject in our baptismal um, service uh, that evil would like you to believe that God doesn't love you and that you need to work harder to prove yourself to make yourself valuable that you need to earn everything that you need to do everything that you are the that your ego is the be all end all and and um uh, and yet, no, the, the, the gospel wants to come in and say that you are loved and Jesus has given you everything you need and the Holy Spirit lives in you. But this, this reminder here that we have an enemy on the outside 
And we also have a God uh, who is caring for us. And again, because Jesus Christ has ascended um, and is alive and is in heaven, he can um, be the one who watches over us and assists us. And, and as Peter reminds his readers here, after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, he will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. So many Christians are themselves, by themselves, trying to restore, support, strengthen, establish themselves. And Peter says, no, 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 this is God's job. And our job is to rest on him, to cast all our anxiety on him. And to me, I just envision my, like, oh, all my anxiety? Okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to throw myself, I'm going to, I'm going to cast myself into the hands of God. Um, into your hands, I commend my spirit, essentially. Um, so th- those are some of the beautiful things in First Peter that are quite preachable, I would say. Beautiful. I love it. So we come now to John 17, Jesus in the high priestly prayer, this very long prayer. We get just an excerpt, a glimpse, a clip, as it were, of this long prayer that Jesus prays on his last night on earth before he was crucified. And this is uh, him praying sort of so that his disciples can overhear him, obviously, and, and record, remember these words, record them, write them down for us. Um, and Jesus says a lot of interesting things about himself. You could do a whole sermon on verse 3. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Um, That eternal life is knowing God. Eternal life Mm. is not, at least on this verse, what we think of simply being... We, when we die, we are beamed up. Um, and I mean, when we die, we are in the presence of God, yeah. in the near presence of Christ. So I'm not denying that. But it's this is saying, he doesn't say this is eternal life, that when they die, they'll go to heaven. He says, mm. this is eternal life, that they may know you. And so that means eternal life begins today, here and now, right here in Waco, Texas, right there in Manhattan, right there, wherever you are, listener. Um, that eternal life is where where you're sitting or running or walking or driving right now as you're listening to this podcast you if you are someone who knows god as god is revealed in jesus christ this this is eternal life right now uh and um and that i think is really a powerful correction to the way we think which is like i don't know this is the the this, the time now before we get to the real life with God in heaven. No, your real life with God is right now. Um, and I think there's something, I think, comforting in knowing that God is with you even now. And uh, he's not, He's yeah, he's present with you now. So there's more here, but I'll, I'll stop talking. And I'll uh, allow Jake, what would you say about this passage? I think uh, this is just another one of those wonderful passages to uh, preach to uh a person who's really kind of, you know, come to the end of like uh, the Easter joy. Mm. Um, I've been uh, 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 doing a, a study like in uh, therapy and counseling and, you know, and everybody and uh, everybody eventually they go through the like what's called the surge and then the honeymoon is at the top and then you have the plummet yeah. and then you have a surge again and it's a smaller surge. and. Um, um, and this is for everybody who's kind of in the plummet and down in the bottom between maybe a honeymoon or between two surges, you know, Easter, the lilies wilted. Let me tell you something about our Easter flowers, boy. Um, we, it looked stunning on Easter one. Uh, Easter two, I was celebrating communion and like the, like the little rose petals were just all following on my head. And it was, um, you know, just, I mean, 
very unattractive scene. So, but maybe you're feeling like the Easter flowers on Easter 2 at Calvary Church. Mm. And so, but this is really where uh, this word comes to you. And so, first of all, um, that Jesus is praying. Here you have an image of the Trinity, that, you know, Jesus the Son praying to the Father and praying and speaking to the Father on your behalf. Mm. And so, uh, you know, and that's the first thing. And so this is eternal life that they may know you, the one true God, exactly. And that uh, he has uh, finished his work. So that's going back to what you talked about, Anne Lamont and the other shoe drop. No, no, no. Uh, The shoes have been dropped. The work is done and the shoes dropped on Jesus. Amen. And in that dropping, he's totally glorified. And now the good news is that God is faithful to all of his promises. He is in the presence like he was before the world existed, interceding on your behalf. So whatever you may be going through, you know that God is interceding on your behalf there. And, uh, well, then you begin to see that um, uh, he's made his name known to the world, and uh, that name is Jesus, and that in him, in him, you are protected, come what may, And uh, it's in the name of Jesus, ultimately, not in church structures, not in in polity or fashion, you know, because clearly Aaron and I have different fashion senses. I have the drip and he doesn't. But uh, the idea here (laughs) is is that in the name of Jesus, uh, the one who has uh, gathered us all up, and has not lost one. Even though you may feel lost, he's not lost one. Uh, In his name, we are all one. Uh, Good, bad, ugly, uh, rich, poor, black, white, uh, brown, yellow, we're all one in Jesus. And that's a really powerful thing. I love that. This is the second Adam. The first Adam, and this prayer is taking place in a garden. The first Adam had one to take care of and he couldn't He couldn't finish the job. He screwed it all up and through one man's sin and death entered into the world. But through this second Adam praying on our behalf because he's glorified in Jesus' name, grace and truth has entered the world. And you are his. He will not let you go because he's promised it and he's prayed it in his name. And uh, now, because of that, everyone who is dependent on the name of Jesus for everything, uh, we are one, uh, just as he and the Father are one. Yeah, and I, I love, I mean, that's beautiful, Jake. And I think, you know, one of the other things, the scriptures are so good at kind of correcting um, what we tend to think or what we forget about God. Uh, and I love this idea where he says, all mine are yours and yours are mine. <laughs> Jesus is talking about us. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, his um, bride, yeah, his, and it, his, just, his Eve, the it, church. It's just beautiful to be reminded that we belong to God. We belong to Christ. And um, I mean, just that he's praying for us. It's, it's just a beautiful thing. Uh, and I think um, mm. having people walk out of church knowing that they belong to God and that Jesus is the one who is our mediator and advocate who prays for us. This is what it looks like. Um, and, uh, Gosh, many people think that God is like angry with them or just frustrated with them or something like that. And But here, you want to know how God prays for you? Look at how Jesus prays for you. Um, mm-hmm. I'm asking, I'm giving them to you. I'm entrusting them to you. I'm, uh, you know, yeah, it, it's just a beautiful picture of God's tender heart towards us uh, that he would mm-hmm. pray for us. Well, that'll bring us to the end of the seventh Sunday of Easter. And uh, next Sunday, we begin the season of Pent- the ordinary time with the Feast of Pentecost and all that. Um, 
And uh, remind your curator assistant to start getting ready for Trinity Sunday when she or he will (laughs) preach uh, that fun, fun Sunday. Uh, But until then, um, God bless you. And uh, remember, strike a pose. Hasta la bye-bye. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him, but... Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.